Welcome to episode 561 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Richard, it's good to be back with you. Although, gotta say, this particular week off was pretty enjoyable. I mean, outside of not getting to talk to you, having an actual real vacation was really nice. Yeah, you got a vacation in there. That's awesome. That yeah. and and not like one of these random things where like we take a week where we're not working during COVID. No, <laughs> you had a real vacation. You went somewhere. Yep, went laid on a beach for multiple days. Took the kids awesome. to an amusement park. Awesome. Like, had all sorts of fun things to do. Great time. Fantastic weather. It was perfect. All right, Absolutely that perfect. is perfect. And now our listeners are jealous. Let's not drag it on. Let's get into it. But. <laughs> Normally, during this time, we would talk about some of the feedback that we have, and we would read that feedback and maybe have some responses. Usually, the responses take the longest amount of time. We don't have any of that this week. So if you want to send us feedback or questions or commentary, you can do that by emailing us. I can't believe I just used email as a verb at entertainment20 at 20. Entertainment20. <laughs> At the digitalmediazone.com. 561 episodes in, he still struggles with the email address. But I got it right. I ultimately got it right. You did. And I'll take email as a verb every day of the week before I'll use invite as a verb. Er, oh, as a yeah. Noun. Seriously, one yeah. of my Twitter annoyances. Oh, yes. <sighs> yeah. So with those pet peeves out of the way, why don't we get into some fun, fun stuff? You know, I, I was recently talking with somebody about how, you know, for so, so long, it seemed like we talked about Plex every single week and things kind of slowed down yeah. a little bit, but they're back and they're back at the top of the show because that's how we roll with Plex around here. Right. <laughs> so uh, they've they've got some new features for Plex Media Server rolling out this week, and they're kind of nice. So uh, they're they're mostly around their collections functionality. And you might be thinking, well, what what are like? Isn't that just what Plex is? It's a collection of all of my stuff. No, those are libraries. The default way that you organize your stuff in Plex, those are called libraries. You might have a movies library and a TV shows library and a music library. For me, I've got a concerts library for recorded video concerts from the pandemic. It's kind of kind of my thing, right? So, but collections is a way to make smaller groups of those things. And they're they're nice to have, but they've always been kind of a pain to set up. And and you might be thinking, why do I need to make smaller groups? Well, like there are eight Fast and the Furious movies. And they all have different names. So mm-hmm. I just put them in a Fast and the Furious collection. And now I can find all of my Fast and the Furious movies, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you couldn't put them in a Fast and Furious playlist because then it would play <laughs> nine movies in a row. Yeah. Yeah. That that sounds like my Thanksgiving a couple of years ago, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the day after Thanksgiving, but who cares? So uh, collections have been kind of a pain to set up in the past. 
they've made it way, way easier. As long as you're sitting at your desktop computer and using the the web browser experience right now, you can basically go to the little three dot menu on like what I like to call the the kebab menu, right? It, it's a kebab if it's three vertical dots, right, Richard? That, that is correct. Yeah, it's it's a meatball if it's meant if it's it's, horizontal it's a meatball menu. Yes. Okay. Yep. Very good. <laughs> so you click on the kebab menu and there's all sorts of options in there. And now one of them is add to. And when you go there, it'll give you a list of all of the collections that you already have. And if you're like, yeah, but I don't have any collections, Josh, I've never set this up before. There's also an option to create a new collection right there. So add new collection, type Fast and the Furious, and just start adding all of your Fast and the Furious movies into that collection. Super easy. Now, when you go to that library uh, across, I guess it depends on which of the thousand different platforms Plex supports that you're using the app on, but let's say you're still in the web browser, uh, you would normally see recommended and library at the top. You will now have a third option for collections. And when you go there, you get to see all of your collections. So that's the first thing that they did to make these cool or and easier let, to set let, up. Let's not leave that yet because there's a couple of cool things about connect collections that I don't think that everybody is aware of. So first off, collections, while they're their own tab, you can also set up your Plex clients so that they show collections in your library. So as you're searching through your movies, one of the things that could come up under movies when you get down to, uh, I don't know, J is Josh's favorites. Mm. So you you have the ability to like group a bunch of stuff. You mentioned Fast and the Furious. That's the perfect use case for this, right? Right. You have all of the Fast and Furious movies, but you could also show in your library the Fast and Furious collection, which has everything in one place. And it just so happens that Fast and Furious has named things alphabetically in a way that ensures that they're all going to be together. But not every movie series does that. Well, and that's not actually even entirely true. Because the second movie is titled Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, that's right. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. So the other thing, uh, since you pointed out that you you can show them there, you can also make it so that if a movie is in a collection, it doesn't show up in the main library. So if you've got a Fast and the Furious collection and you've got that collection showing up in your library in the F section, it might be next to most of those Fast and the Furious movies. And then you're like, well, why do I have this? Well, you can just make them not show up in the library. Yeah, good yeah. point. So good point. lots of customization options there. Now, yep. the other thing that they added in, in just regular collections is they've always been sorted by release date of the movie. Like, and if it's a movie, which by the way, it doesn't just have to be movies. You can add soundtracks uh, into these collections if you wanted. You know, you could add music and, and other types of of media into these collections. Um, but the other thing that they added here is you can now reorder them to whatever order you want them in by just dragging and dropping them in to the 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 proper order. So, the the super obvious example that they even point out in their blog post is 
what order do you watch the Star Wars movies in? You know, yep. you can dictate which order <laughs> these are played yep. in now. So it's it it's a it's a really nice to have feature for for something like this. That's a really cool thing. The the one more thing about collections, and I, I want to kind of clarify why this is a big deal. In the past, you had to kind of depend on what I would call tagging as a way of identifying something as part of a collection. And now it's just part of the standard edit process. You just right click on something or you click the kebab menu, like you said, and it's one of the things you can do. You can add it to that collection that you've already created very, very quickly. And that is not only true on the web-based stuff, but also on the applications that are native. I say native because they're really web apps, but they're native to Windows and Mac OS. So if you have the Plex app on your Mac or on Windows, it too also supports this. Right, right. Yeah, so right now, most of the management functionality you're going to need to do from a web browser, but consuming all of it, you can do from pretty much any of their clients. Yeah. So they've added one more really cool thing to collections, and that's the ability the ability to make what they're calling smart collections. And the, the concept is pretty simple. You've, you've got some pretty nice search and, and sorting, you know, filtering type functionality in Plex already. So now you can go through and, and make a, a filter. And maybe it's something as simple as like movies with Tom Hanks. And you can save that filter as a smart collection. And you might be thinking, okay, so I mean, that that makes it easy for me to just quickly add all of my Tom Hanks movies into one collection. But it's smarter than that. If you add another movie tomorrow that has Tom Hanks in it, it will automatically be added to that collection without you needing to go in and manually add it to your collection. So nice. yeah, it's, it's just a really, you know, this is just another one of those really nice to have features that... You might expect from from a product that's as mature as Plex, but um, the the thing that we've always said about Plex and and what drew the the two of us to Plex in, in place of a lot of the the other similar competitors out there is it's still really powerful. Like that's a super powerful feature, but it's also really easy to use and it looks nice while you're doing it. And that's what some of the other uh, options out there don't do quite as well as Plex. So, yeah. And frankly, you know, with the latest year's worth of UI updates and consolidation, they've done a really good job of making the experience consistent and, and really usable across all these different platforms. And I'm one that's a big advocate for being specific to each platform as opposed to being uniform across all platforms. And I think Plex has done a really good job of kind of walking that line. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to something other than Plex, I guess. Uh, a, a couple of, of quick stories. This first one is just that there is a a new pair of media remote controls available for the Xbox devices. And when I say Xbox devices, I really mean everything from the Xbox One 
forward up through the Xbox Series X and Series S. So it's a whole lot of devices. And these new remotes are made by uh, a a company that's really well known in the gaming space. It's 8BitDo. I I believe it's pronounced 8BitDo. It's 8, the number 8, B-I-T-D-O. I've heard some people pronounce it 8BitDo, like sort of like Nintendo, but I'm pretty sure it's 8BitDo. That and, makes no sense, right? Uh, 8BitDo. Yeah, like D-O is, is do in English, right? <laughs> so that's that's why I went with it. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's do. So these, these remotes made by a company that typically makes video game controllers and really good ones, by the way. I mean, I've, I've got one in a bin right behind me, uh, a Bluetooth controller that looks like a classic super Nintendo controller. Uh, that's really great for playing games on your phone or tablet or something like that. But I, I believe this is their first real launch into other types of peripherals like this. And a remote control is not a whole lot different from a game controller. In fact, some people still call game controllers remotes. It always makes me feel weird when someone does that, but it's a controller. And these look pretty nice, I guess. Richard, I don't, I don't know if you've had a, a look at the the link yep. for this yet. Yep. What do you think of the design of these remotes? Because you and I, we get pretty critical of our remote controls. Oh, very, 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 very. I am a fan. I think that they have addressed some of the major things that most people complain about with media remotes that the buttons around the D-pad, like back and menu and stuff like that, aren't in the place where you expect them to. I don't know how many times, seriously, like how stupid is this? But I don't know how many times I've used a remote with a D-pad where back is like above it or over on the top right. Like what the hell were you thinking? That's just not... (laughs) Where your finger is going to go naturally, right? Right. So they've really thought about how people use remotes ergonomically. And on the small remote, they've optimized it primarily for navigation and transport. And on the large remote, they've incorporated a keypad with numbers that allows you to use it more for, I don't know, maybe you're going to tune in a channel if anyone still does that on Xbox. But there could be apps that take advantage of that. And then there are other functions on that remote as well. Volume is in the place where you expect it to be. Channel changing is in the place is in the place where you expect it to be. I am really impressed by these and I hope to get my hands on one to test it. Well it won't be hard. Uh you won't have to wait long and you won't have to spend much money because the the shorter one that does not have the the number pad on it is twenty bucks. The long edition is what they're calling the one with the number pad. I love that. By I the way, it's ridiculous. The long edition is twenty five dollars if if you need the number pad. But I really can't think of any time I've ever needed a numpad on my Xbox. Not recently. Not in the last five years or so. Yeah, not since they like killed off one guide. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, twenty bucks, twenty five bucks for the the two different versions. They've got every button you would you would want, uh, including the the really important home button, the the one that's the Xbox button, which will turn your console on. And uh, they're also backlit, which is really really nice. 
So, I mean, you can't beat what it is and what you're getting for that for that price. And you can get your hands on them September 15th. So only a little over a month away. I'm yeah, not going to buy one of these. Like, oh, I'm totally going to buy one. I, I'm, I'm totally going to buy one. I'm with you on, like, it is a good controller. It's got what you would need from all of that. But my Xbox has really become just a gaming box now. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which is not what Microsoft wanted to hear, but, you know. Well, it's not what they wanted to hear in 2013. I think they're just fine with it in 2021. (laughs) But there are many fans who are not. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I guess we'll see how well these sell, right? Yeah. I I just, I I don't need to use a $500 video game console to watch TV in my living room when... My NVIDIA Shield will do that just fine. So, which is also my Plex server. Uh, So last little story, and I think we talked about this. It was either the previous episode or the one before where we had talked about how nice it was that Verizon Fios was now going to allow you to use your Apple TV or your Amazon Fire TV devices uh, to to run the, the Fios TV app and that would mean that you wouldn't have to pay to to rent a separate set-top box. And right. it, it's all available now. This is rolled out and fully available to, to customers now. And they are not making you, like, you can still get away with not paying for a separate box. But that doesn't mean it's free. They're no. charging people $20 a month for the ability to use these apps. Yeah, and and it's actually worse than that. And I I don't know if this particular article that we're going to include in the show notes references that, but to use, and we didn't cover this because we, I don't think, understood this. Well, the details weren't available yet. Yeah. So if you take advantage of this feature and you have the Apple TV or the Fire TV app running, you can only run two of them simultaneously. In your whole house, you can only run two of them simultaneously. And there's this fee. And you still have to have at least one box in the house, one Fios TV box in the house to power these. Right. But that one box, the the lease on that is included in your regular monthly subscription. Like you're not getting out of out of that fee anyway. Yeah, I suppose. But I mean, yeah, yes, you're right. But it just strikes me as wow, that that's just that's just so it ah, you have to have the box, which you're maybe not going to want to. I, I don't know. It's just I, I'm not happy at all about this. No, this is exactly not the right way to do it. Spectrum and other providers that have been doing this for literally years now have implemented this in a much better way. Yeah, I was going to say, and that's not surprising, but it is because anytime any of these big like cable pay TV providers do anything well, it's kind of surprising. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Way way to take some really good news and make it bad. Not, not, not the way to do this Verizon. Sorry. All right, let's let's move on to another service that I use a ton. You know, we we talked about Plex earlier. Now we're going to talk about Spotify, my favorite 
music streaming service, and they've got a couple of new things that they are working on. Uh, the first is uh, one that I'm, I should be more excited about than I am, but I'm only not excited about it because of my particular way that I primarily use Spotify. So what they're trying to do is they're, make, they're trying to make it even easier for you to be able to find the latest music or podcast that you're going to want to listen to. And you might be thinking, uh, I've already got that. It's called the release radar. Yes, that's true for music, but it's not true for podcast. And the release radar, it's both algorithm-based and there's some human curation going on there. There Now they've added a new thing to the mobile app called What's New. It's super easy to find. It is a bell at the top of the home screen. You tap on the bell and it shows you everything that's new from artists that their algorithms think you care about and podcasts and shows that they think that you care about. And you can filter it between just music or, or just podcast and shows. And it's just a really concise list of like, here's the song, the, the very tiny album art, uh, the artist, and the date that the song or podcast was, was released. Very helpful, very easy, quick way to get to it. The only reason I said at the very beginning that this isn't super useful to me, even though release radar is like my favorite part of Spotify, is this is only in the mobile app. And I primarily use the desktop app when I'm sitting here at my desk working. Wait, 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 wait. You use desktop applications for media? Josh, who does that? I thought we're all (laughs) supposed to use our mobile devices and only our mobile devices or media consumption, and then cast it to something. Yeah, that's annoying when I'm sitting at a desk. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. I tried that when the whole work-from-home pandemic thing hit, uh, because I was like, I've already got a decent Google speaker sitting right here. I will just control this from my phone. No, that's annoying. It's even annoying controlling it from the desktop app. Like, I've got good speakers hooked up to my computer. I've got good headphones hooked up to my computer. I would rather just do it all from the computer as long as I'm here. I, yep. I, I do use Spotify when I'm not at my desk for sure, but um, I still don't go anywhere, Richard. I work from home. <laughs> like, right. I just, right. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's a cool feature that is now available, but there's another thing that it looks like they're testing. So right now, You've really got two ways that you can use Spotify. One is what I do, which is pay them $10 a month for a a single person's account or $15 a month for a family plan. And you can listen to whatever you want, whenever you want, as many times in a row or or whatever, and zero ads. And it's great. But a lot of people don't want to pay that much. So Spotify has a free account. And with the free account, you do have ads, unsurprisingly, and you're limited in how you can listen to music. It's basically shuffle play for playlists and, and albums. And I would be super annoyed by that, which is why I've been a pain <laughs> Spotify but, user for but years. It, but it's intelligent shuffle play. It's not just random, right? Like they're still using their algorithm to figure out what you would want to listen to if you call up this 
whatever it is you requested, this playlist or this genre or whatever. Okay. I, I couldn't just, even tell you, actually, because I've been paying for so long that I don't right. know what the modern free experience is. I mean, experience my experience as a free user now, when I was previously a paid user, is that it is still good recommendations for the most part. So I have to assume that it is still doing some uh, analysis in there. But every once in a while, you still hit that song where you're like, you know, you know what? I didn't like rap. Before, I still don't like it. Now, I don't want to hear it. Right. And you can skip with with the free plan, but it's limited in that you can only skip up to six songs per hour, which right. seems and like a lot. It, it is a lot, but do you remember why I quit Spotify, Josh? Uh, because it couldn't figure out what you liked. I quit Spotify specifically because it honed into two things that it could not reconcile, which is that there were songs in my library that were Spanish. Oh, yes. And there were songs in my library that were Christian rock. And it determined that those were things I wanted to hear all the time. (laughs) Spanish Christian rock, nonstop. (laughs) Well, not necessarily together, right? But, But... so there were often times where I just could not convince it that, no, I don't. This is like, I like this one song <laughs> or I like this specific artist, right. not I want to hear everything in this genre or everything in this language. And there were often times that I would have to skip multiple songs that were not in the language that I speak. Right. right. Because it couldn't figure that out. Yeah. That's and that's kind of weird to me that it wasn't able to figure that out because I listen to some country, but not very much. There's really only like four or five country artists that I listen to. And like Release Radar is a perfect example. I pretty much only get those few country artists showing up in there. Occasionally right. there'll be another random one. But right. maybe it's just some of the other playlists that it was picking for you. I'm not sure. I don't know. So that's how it currently works for for free plans. But Spotify has, it's estimated roughly 360 million users, and about 160 million of them are paying, which sounds fantastic. Like 160 million people giving you $10 a month or more? Sweet. But that still means you have 200 million people who aren't paying you anything. Right. So understandably, they're trying to decrease that second number and so they're reportedly playing around with some various options here that's the way spotify does things they'll kind of roll out different options to different people to to test things and it sounds like what they're trying right now is a plan that would be 99 cents a month and lets you listen to whatever you want like it doesn't limit you to the i'm going to shuffle this this playlist sort of thing around, but you still have to listen to the ads. And I think that's, that's a really nice deal. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really smart actually. And, um, now what what would you call this? If you had a, if you had a service where you offer the same thing that you always offer, but now you're going to offer it and you can pay for it with maybe just a couple benefits from that what would you call that baby um Mm. 
I mean, we haven't seen this sort of business model from anybody before, right? It's no, I'm just kidding. Right. Uh, they're doing, they're calling it the same freaking thing that every other service in the universe is calling their extra model. Spotify. Say it with me. Children. Plus. Spotify plus. Plus. Uh, Spotify plus. There is no other name for services anymore. It is just brand name plus. The next podcast from the DMZ is going to be the digital media zone plus. That's too many words. Actually, it's not happening. Who would name their website? The digital media zone. <laughs> anyway, I think this is this is really smart. It, if it if it actually works out and if it actually comes to play, it it almost seems like the price is too good to be true. Though, like you save nine dollars, and the the only thing you still have to deal with is ads. That seems like a really good deal. But there's, there, yeah. I'm sure that there are people screaming at their phones right now, going, "I'm not paying money and still listening to ads." Right? I mean. There are people who pay for the Hulu with no ads option, right? Because right. I don't want to watch ads if I'm paying you money. But here's the thing. If if supposedly Spotify now, because it didn't seem to do a good job then, but if now it can learn from the things you skip and it allows you to skip unlimited, unlimitedly, is that a word? I don't know that that's a word. Maybe that's why it's so hard to say. <laughs> an unlimited amount of tracks as opposed to just six an hour, then, I mean, we're talking a buck a month, $12 a year. Right. That's two Macchino somethings. Yeah. Right? Right. Just do it. Just do it. That's That's great. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see if it actually comes out. Like, I mean, Spotify will test things and then sit on them for years sometimes before they actually release them. And sometimes they'll just decide the experiment wasn't worth doing. So this may never happen. But if it does, and if this is how it ends up looking, I think that that could be a pretty big win for them. Yep. All right, let's move on to just a little bit of gaming news. And uh, first up is actually from the PlayStation side of of the gaming arena and that is that now let's see here it's august that's the eighth month playstation 5 came out in november so 10 months after the playstation 5 was released you can now if you're in the beta channel of their software replace the internal hard drive with whatever you want no not exactly it has to be a somewhat specific uh pcie gen 4 M.2 SSD. And wow, like when you actually say all of that out loud, it sounds insane to have to say all of that. Yes, those. but that's oh, not unreasonable because no. there are clearly hardware requirements for how you can replace an SSD. Right. So come on. Right. No, no, no. Like I'm not making fun of, of, of Sony there. Like just to have to say a PCIe generation four M.2 right. SSD. Like, Right. 10 years ago, we, we just said an SSD. And we know what you meant. Right. But now there's like 10 different versions of SSD. Well, and also, right. And that's part of the thing, right? That this is SSD on a chip as opposed to, which is on a, you know, card that you would normally expect to like pop into some, I, I you know, some PC or something. But now... This is how SSDs are packaged instead of in the form factor of, oh, 
a hard drive. <laughs> right. Exactly. So the I mean the the big thing here is that you can get a bigger one because the one that ships with the PlayStation 5 trying to remember the exact size. I want to say it's something like 860 gigabytes. It's it's not the 1 terabyte that you get in the the Xbox Series X and S. It's it's a little bit smaller. So you I I know that they make these in at least two terabytes at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if they're four terabyte versions of of these types of, of storage devices. But you can get a bigger one, you can put it in, but it does need to have you know read speeds of fifty five hundred megabytes or uh, per second or faster. They also say, "Hey, um, game consoles are hot. You're gonna want a heatsink on this thing." <laughs> so there's all sorts of recommendations there on on which specific drive you should get and so, some heatsink options too. So it's not quite so simple as just run down to Best Buy grab the cheapest SSD you can find and slap it in there. It's going to be a little bit more than that, but you do have the option now. So that's really good. Okay, cool. Yeah. The other gaming story, and I'm not going to go into all of the details here, but Microsoft did announce last week that, uh, you know, Microsoft flight simulator, it's pretty amazing. And starting last week, they rolled it out on game pass to, uh, the Xbox consoles now. It's no longer just a a PC game. And well, but to be clear, I think it requires the Series S and X. You're right? correct. You can't just play this on your Xbox One that we bought seven years ago. Right. Not currently, Richard. I am amazed every time you toss details like that in there on a game. <laughs> I'm I'm impressed from from the non gamer on this show. I am very impressed. Nice job. Uh, yes, you're you're correct. You do have to have an Xbox Series X or S to play uh, Flight Simulator on an Xbox right now. Although they're talking about making it so that you can play on an Xbox One generation console through cloud streaming. So okay, that's cool. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Once once cloud streaming comes to Xbox officially, then you know, to the consoles officially, then you should be able to play Flight Simulator on an Xbox. Like you could do it on an Xbox One S, uh, and that would be kind of cool. So, along with all of that exciting news about Flight Simulator, they also announced uh, some officially licensed flight sim accessories for sale from from well known uh, controller manufacturers. So, Turtle Beach, Thrustmaster. And honeycomb, although honeycomb I've never heard of, but I wonder if they're more specific in like the flight stick space because their device looks really official. <laughs> like it looks like something that might actually be in a plane. And they're they've got joysticks, they've got pedals, they've got. I mean, there's probably more correct words for all of these things, but I'm not a flight guy. My friend Brian, if he listens to the show, is like, are you kidding me right now? You don't know the names of any of these things? Because uh, he does. He actually flies planes. And they're cool. And uh, lots of different price ranges here. You can get like a fairly simple joystick with the throttle controller part thing. <laughs> There's got to be a name for that, right? I don't know what it is. Uh, for like 100 bucks. from, I think that's the one from Thrustmaster. Uh, up to the, the Turtle Beach option 
as all sorts of buttons and dials and extra um yeah, just lots of stuff on it. And that thing is like 350 bucks. Uh, the devices from Honeycomb prices weren't listed, but there's a lot more uh, accessories becoming available and they're officially licensed. So you'll know that they'll actually work really well with Microsoft Flight Simulator. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it for our, our news this week. Uh, not just gaming news, all of the news. Uh, so that means that we get to jump into uh, the really fun segment of what's going on in our entertainment centers. Richard, you've had two weeks. What have you been doing? I have. So one thing I'm going to talk about is something that probably few listeners to the show would have expected I'd be doing. And that is that I bought a new Xbox Series S. Yeah, I was surprised when I found out you did this. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not for me. No, no. It's for the rental property that I've been talking about. We purchased a rental property this year, and one of the things that I've wanted to do is make a game console available to guests at that property. And, of course, they've been so hard to buy. And finally, I was able to get a Series S through, I I think it was Best Buy that I finally got it through. So I had to wait a while. My first order was canceled. I ordered again. It finally came through. And I ordered it with an additional robot white controller. So there are two controllers. Now, why the S, you might ask? Uh, A, it costs less. And B, there's not a slot where people who don't own it might try to, I don't know, stick stuff inside it. So... I really like the idea of a just entirely self-contained product that I don't have to worry about, oh, you know, like, you know, it's a DVD player or maybe they're going to try and put something in it that isn't compatible or they might have a problem with it. No, it's just it's this box. You either have an account or you don't. If you do, I hope you enjoy it. That's cool. I didn't think about the fact that the Series S doesn't have the Blu-ray drive in it. and. It's interesting that you chose it partly be like specifically because it doesn't have one. Because I, yeah. I would think that you might still want a Blu-ray drive. Yep. Nope. Not going there. Uh, it, not going. Is there, there. going to be a Blu-ray player anywhere in the house? Nope. Interesting. Nope. I wonder how many people actually use them anyway. Yeah. I, I'm less worried about yeah. that. I'm not so worried about that. That makes sense. That's right. cool. Well, the big news in my TV watching life is that Ted Lasso is back, baby. And season two has been awesome. The first episode was wonderful. It was a slow burn. You wondered what was going on, and then it caught on. It was great. And the second episode is wonderful, and it also has a twist ending. So if you liked it before, you're going to like it now. I like it so much. I even bought a an AFC Richmond jersey <laughs> that I wore on premiere day while I watched the first episode. Wow. So I'm very excited about this show. Is that the the only piece of, of sports clothing you own? Like a, a no. Penn State sweatshirt doesn't count. I, I mean, like no. like a jersey sort of thing. I have I have Washington Nationals t-shirts and okay. some various other things. 
And why doesn't Penn State count? Well, Come like on. A, a Penn State sweatshirt doesn't count. You know, like it's, no, but it's I a have, sweatshirt from I the have school. I Penn State year, athletics or Penn State football stuff. So okay. with the football logo. Okay. Anyway. I guess that counts. All right. So <laughs> additionally, we have continued to watch Doctor Who. We, we are almost finished. We just have one special left actually at the end of season seven. And then we'll be moving on to the seasons that I hate with Peter Capaldi, the guy who speaks with marbles in his mouth. So I'm not looking forward to the next couple of seasons, but I'm more hoping that I'm going to be able to keep Edward, my partner, involved because he hated, hated, hated this actor as the doctor. So we'll see what happens. Also been watching Loki, really liking that. That's a lot of fun. Random thing. Don't know if I've talked about this before. At one point in time, not that long ago, like in the last year in our lives, we talked about maybe we should get, I don't know, um, an Airstream. <laughs> and then it turned out that everybody was buying Airstreams because how else are you going to travel except with your own RV? Right. And so because of that interest, I've been watching this show on, I think, DIY, maybe HGTV, maybe some other entirely different network called Going RV, which is basically house hunters for RVs. Interesting. Here are your three options. You only have these three. Pick one. And they do by the end of the show. Right. And they always pick the wrong one. Well, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> that's their choice. <laughs> and so we were watching that as we have been doing. And suddenly I'm like, you know, they never show Airstreams on these things. Why is that? Hmm. And so Edward just like picked up his tablet, said, can I throw this on the TV? I'm like, yes, as a matter of fact, you can. Here's how. And we started watching a bunch of videos of dealers showing off their Airstreams. I don't. I don't really even care anymore <laughs> about these TV shows that are talking about buying a, you know, this thing or that thing. Like these dealers that are selling these things, they go into every nook and cranny and crevice of these RVs to show you everything you're going to get out of this thing. And it is amazing. <laughs> so I think thoroughly encourage you if you're looking at maybe possibly buying an RV to check into YouTube and look into your model that you want to I I mean your specific model <laughs> from the, the manufacturer you're interested in and see what is out there and there is a ton out there it's amazing hmm, that's cool spent two nights one weekend just <laughs> glued to those i mean you're you are basically choosing to watch ads. That, that's yeah. what that is. No, it's totally that. Okay. I mean, infomercials, not so much ads. That's true. Infomercials, right? Okay. That, that somehow makes it better, maybe? Yeah, totally. Totally. All right. Also been catching up on some other TV like Hawaii Five-0. I've mentioned before, I'm still in season nine. Almost finished that. Also, I had mentioned previously that I had tried, I had started, I believe, to watch The Expanse because. Previously, when I tried to watch The Expanse, I watched the pilot and it was in two episodes and it never caught me. It never, never really dragged me in. So I was like, eh, okay, whatever. 
And so many people tell me, no, no, it's really, really good. You got to watch it. So I got into it and I finished season one this past week. I'm watching it alone. Edward's not into this, but I love the show. It's really, really good. And I can't wait to dive into the following seasons. Interesting. Cause, also, cause I, I did the same exact thing with that show. Like I was initially yeah. really interested, but I just yeah. kind of fell off. And now it's Amazon that owns it all now, right? Yes. And I am convinced you will like it. Yeah. I, I think you will definitely like it's it. It's just about making time to actually watch it. Yep. Yeah. It's exactly about that. <laughs> all right. Also, weird things that Edward and I watched together. For some reason, we needed something new to watch. And then just randomly on Netflix, I picked the world's most amazing vacation rentals because I thought it was weird that they had like some travel thing on Netflix. And it's really good. It's three people, three young people that I think maybe, I don't know, maybe they had a YouTube channel and Netflix found them and they thought, hey, they'd be great on a show. And they put them together and it's really cool. They actually have great chemistry and the places that they find are really interesting. So I recommend you look into that. If you like travel shows, I think my daughter was watching this like a week or two ago. Oh, well, there and you go. Yeah. The places that they rent are amazing. That is for Phenomenal. sure. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. It's cool. Also been watching Big Brother, of course. That's my guilty pleasure. And oh, speaking of which, I finished reading 1984. And by reading, I mean listening to, because that's how we do it these days. Right. And also I started reading and by reading, I mean listening to. I Alone Can Fix It, which is the recent book put out by the New York Times writers. Uh, I don't know what the right word, journalists, whatever, whatever the right label is for them, uh, about Trump's last year in office. And it's really, really interesting. I mean, we've heard all of this stuff on the news and it's been sensationalized, but it's interesting to hear it kind of put out on a timeline in a way that the news and the sensationalist headlines don't really give credit to. Hmm. So uh, I I'm enjoying that. Yeah. We watched the movie on Disney plus Raya and the last dragon. You may remember that this was one of the premier things that you could pay $30 to watch when it came out. I'm glad I didn't want watch this and pay $30 for it because I don't think that it was worth $30, but we liked it. It was good. It was a nice story. The animation is interesting. The visuals are beautiful. It's a little preachy. You know, I mean, it's about a society that's broken up into completely different factions and they have to figure out how to work together again. I mean, you know, it's a little preachy. I don't know. It sounds but, like the kind of preaching we could use right about now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And all you need is a dragon to fix it. Sounds awesome. But <laughs> that's... <laughs> it, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I totally enjoyed it, and I recommend it. It's now available for free if you have Disney+. And then finally, for Rob, specifically for Rob H., our friend of the show and listener, I have, in fact, started, restarted She-Ra and the Princess of Power. I only got two episodes into it so far, but I watched both episodes, and I enjoyed them, so I will keep going, and I will let you know how it goes. Cool. 
that's it for me. Josh, what have you been up to? All right. Well, I, I started off the, the show by saying that I was on vacation last week. That's why we didn't have a show. So didn't watch a ton on vacation. Also, I took an Xbox with me just in case. I didn't actually play it. It never even got out of my You always my do that on vacation. I know. Don't like to act like that's a crazy oh yeah thing. like I, I do i i i took the xbox and the switch uh, i didn't end up playing either of them though actually uh but the olympics did start so we watched some of the olympics not a ton you know we watched a, a couple of nights worth you know we watched uh the the first night of the gymnastic stuff and i watched a fair amount of swimming and then my interest like really falls off a cliff because i just don't care much about the summer olympics so not much there. We did, however, just before going on vacation, uh, go and see a movie. And we saw F9, Fast 9, uh, Fast and the Furious 9. It is not very good. <laughs> this is like Fast and the Furious movies are my thing. Uh, Jen and I both love Fast and the Furious movies, but oh, I, I don't know if it's the, the pandemic. I don't know if it's all of the, the fighting between, you know, Vin Diesel and and some of the other previous characters. I don't know if it's just from from the loss of Paul Walker. This this movie just didn't have it. Like it did have new crazy over the top stuff that you expect out of Fast and the Furious that I expect and like. Like that is what I like about Fast and the Furious movies. But it just there was something missing there uh though that part of it wasn't great the the actual car part of it like there just wasn't a lot of really interesting car stuff going on in the movie and i I really like cars in these movies it just it didn't have it uh we we walked out of the theater and I, i asked jen i'm like so which one was worse uh this one or Tokyo Drift. Like it's it's kind of that bad. It's really kind of that bad. So I, I'm I'm really disappointed. It's probably one that I'm not gonna watch again and and won't be won't be adding to my Plex library because I just don't feel the need to watch it. And frankly, I I think they are planning more Fast and the Furious movies. I don't need any more if this is how they're going to continue to go. I I'll take the first eight, thank you very much, and kind of not typically watch Tokyo Drift either. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they've just gone too far at this point. So uh, we did do that. That's obviously not in my home, but you know, kind of a big deal for me. It's our first movie in a theater since the pandemic, so that was nice. I think there were maybe a dozen other people. We went on a Wednesday night. It was it was kind of a, a nice viewing experience. <laughs> uh, and then in terms of of games, like I said, I, I brought the Xbox and stuff, but I I never played that while I was there. Uh, so after getting back, I did play a little bit of NHL a, a couple of times, as is my usual, uh, but but not much there. And then. Uh, I oftentimes forget when when I go to do the notes for this what what I've seen, especially if I've been watching things with with the family. So I asked Jen, "Hey, you know, what have we watched 
over the last couple of weeks? Is there is there anything that I'm forgetting about that that we've watched? And uh, she was like, well, I've been watching Loki. And she's like, but you don't care about what I've been watching. And I, and I thought, oh, no, like I, I, I know our listeners, they want to hear Jen's opinion of Loki. So I paid attention to what Jen was saying. And uh, she's watched, I think, the first two episodes. And she's not into it. She's not really digging Loki at all. Uh, she thinks that it's yeah. hard to follow and that it's not really all that interesting. So I don't know. And she loves Loki as a character. She loves the actor. Right. I, I don't like either of those things. Uh, she does. <laughs> I don't think she's even going to stick with it. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm having the same problem with Edward. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we get all the way through it or not. I don't know. So a whole lot of downers there for me, like Olympics that I don't really care about. The movie that I was the most looking forward to out of the pandemic was crap. And Jen doesn't like Loki. Like that's a whole lot of bad news, but it's the way it goes sometimes, I guess. You had all the good stuff. I had all the bad stuff. (laughs) All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week's show. Uh, If you want to find us, talk to us, get a hold of us, uh, send us some feedback for a future show. You can do it in a few different ways. You can email us, like Richard said. Uh, If you don't want to type out that long email address, just go to the website, thedigitalmediazone.com. Use the contact form there to to send us some email. You can also find us on Twitter, at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigiMediaZone, and a whole lot of other places. It's all there on the website with the show notes where there are links to everything that we talked about. You know, maybe you're interested in uh, those new Xbox remote controls I was talking about. We'll have a link to them so that you can check that out and everything else that we discussed tonight. So you can also join us when we record the show. We do it live Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, usually. Uh, you know, follow us on Twitter to know for sure, uh, because sometimes that date needs to move around a little bit. So follow us on Twitter or uh, we're doing all of this on Twitch. So if you just subscribe to us on Twitch, you'll get notified there also whenever we go live. But if you want some heads up so that you can get the kids in bed and go enjoy some entertainment 2.0, follow us on Twitter to know when that's going to happen. That's going to do it for episode 561. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.